You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 500, Regaining Control with Demi Lovato, Settling Down with Pete Doherty and John Deacon, and There Goes BBC Four. That's all coming up after The Beloved and Hello.
Billy Corkhill, Vince Hilaire. Um, mm. I generally remember the beloved as one hit wonders, but how wrong my memory can be mm. because they had 11 top 50 no. hits. In the UK. No, that's a uh, lot. Between 1989 and 1997, this number 19 in the UK in 1990, the beloved. And hello. Mm, indeed, that is great. That is very. Um, that's a that that's a very strange trip through public figures and world history. That isn't it? There's a, there's an awful lot going on in an awful small amount of time in that. But yes, that they, they had um they had several chins. I'm not sure. I don't know. Whenever they pop up now on top of the pops 1990 at the moment, I always feel that time has been kinder to them than I would have expected. Really, some of their music's got a dreamlike quality that I don't think has aged that badly in places. Leslie Crowther, come on down. Um, (laughs) Welcome to Breaking News from the Parish Council. Mm. It's episode 500. I'm Terence Stackham and someone's knocking at the door. Somebody's ringing the bell. It's Juliet Harris. Hey, why don't you do me a favour and let me in? That would be very nice. Thank you. See, I'd spotted your Paul McCartney reference right there. Uh, It's a pleasure to be back once again in the virtual room with Sir T and all of our parish council friends. Hello. It's been it's been interesting to watch the media coverage of Adele over the last couple of years and the comments about Mm. her significant weight loss, because despite all of our alleged modernity and wokeness, Adele and all of us, in a way, continue to be judged by our looks and in particular our weight. And the inference has been that Adele is a better person to have slimmed down so dramatically. Mm. This scenario has played out in a similar sphere this week with the release of the first three episodes of four Mm. of Demi Lovato, Dancing with the Devil. It's a four-part documentary series about the life, career, and I'm afraid ongoing crisis Mm. of Demi Lovato. Jules, any show about a pop star that begins with a trigger warning, then we know we're in for a rocky ride. Absolutely. And I think that it is so telling that um, that uh, this is not the first na- that documentary of this nature we've discussed around these parts. We've, um, you know, this is this is not a million miles away from the Britney Spears story, is it really, that we spoke about a few weeks ago? And it is I, I was having a conversation with someone when I was out walking this morning and I can't remember what, what well, we'd absolutely, we were talking about bands I'd seen at university and bands I'd seen at university, which considering he was at university during the late 70s, the amount of bands he saw, I had pretty thin gruel in comparison it has to be said but one one person i am very proud to have seen at university and i can always say i've seen is amy winehouse who i saw in 2005 i think in norwich touring the first album so this was as i like to put it it's the pb era era of uh, amy winehouse which is pre beehive so i saw her sort of pre all of that kind of you know all of that circus and she was extremely good obviously quite edgy there was always something there that was a bit kind of you know on the edge but she was extremely good but her story we were talking about her we were talking about Karen Carpenter we were talking about Whitney Houston all of these documentaries that that, you know that all of these women seem to be failed by people around them or there aren't people around them to help them and quite often I think in pretty much all of these cases you know, it's it's fathers or men generally that that tend to not be there. And again, this de- this first episode of the Demi Lovato story, I was really struck by the fact that you it's not again not dissimilar to Britney. You start off with a young girl that wants to be you know sort of famous for singing and dancing and acting and that, and she starts off on TV programs and and 
there is a, a Demi Lovato's dad is dead and and was was so dead by the time he was found that they couldn't put him in a nose can casket, which is pretty pretty grim, really, yes. isn't it? And she she didn't shun from talking. She spoke about that in a very reasoned way. And I think what is the strange complex of this whole thing and the strange contradiction of it is that all of these young girls that are pop stars they're they're all incredible people they're all insanely talented and they're all amazingly together people you know demi lobato is so together when which when she's talking about a terrible eating disorder when she's talking about the fact that she was on heroin and crack cocaine yet she seemed to hold it together she held it together mm-hmm. until she overdosed you know it's 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 mm-hmm. these these women are so incredibly you know together in themselves and i think again i've heard talk about this previously the the concert for manchester and ariana grande and and um, miley cyrus you know them performing don't dream it's over by crowded house just thinking about that makes me weep it was so powerful and you know it's easy to, to dismiss and i think in a way society wants us to dismiss all these singers these female singers as you know oh they started off as mickey mouseketeers or whatever it was and they're sort of dismissed as disney channel kind of pop stars and and you forget they've got incredible voices. The footage of, of Demi Lovato performing is, you know, I didn't, I wasn't, I knew who she was, but I wasn't yeah, particularly me too. familiar I with her work. I was blown away by her. Yeah, voice. she was just incredible. And it just, I mean, the pressure that, you know, and, and it's interesting you say that we're all under food pressure in society. Mm. And and this excellent article by Rianne Jones in The Guardian does make the point, and I think although I, although I have just moaned about female pop stars and men, it is worth making the point that men are under pressure as well in the pop industry. Elton John talks about it in his book about bulimia. Um, Zayn from One Direction, Zayn Malik, talked about going for a, going for days without eating because he felt so out of control when he was in One Direction. Um, Holly Alexander from Years and Years, latterly the actor in It's a Sin, uh, Florence Welch, Lily Allen, Sam Smith, you know, Halsey, people of all, and, and, and in some cases, no, no gender feel this pressure. So it's, although the vast majority of it tends to land on the shoulders of women, because that is the way in which patriarchal society works, and as a feminist, that is what I'm going to say, because that that is, mm. that is it, I, my view how it is. I'm not saying that men aren't under on pressure, aren't, aren't under pressure as well i'm not entirely convinced they are under quite the level same level of pressure in the pot well that's not to say that they are not under that pressure and it's interesting that the men that are in, that all of the men mentioned in that list are either you know a gay queer non-binary which is i think is really interesting that that those that, that you know it's that those sort of you know that they are men but in a margin perhaps in a more marginalized way i think that is you know the the industry the pop industry just doesn't seem to have any time for weakness does it it just Mm. it 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 spits people out and you and you feel like saying you know who is this helping you know what what, who what 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 is this achieving exactly what is this achieving so so i i thought it was an excellently made documentary i was very much impressed by demi lovato the, the people around her i thought was interesting i I was unconvinced by some of them. I'd be interested to see what you think on this. But they had a lot of talking heads and people on her tour and that. I thought the parents seemed decent. I thought the mum seemed good. And I thought the sister seemed okay. But I don't know. There was a. I felt there were a lot of people that were trying to retcon. And that's a phrase as in, you know, sort of going back and, and uh, retconning means to sort of rewrite oh, the okay. past in, in, in a programme. So, so I'm trying to find a better description of that because they mm. it's used no, in the I, context I of 
of TV series, but there are a lot of people. Yes, it's a, new, a piece of new information that imposes a difficult, a different interpretation on previously described events, or to revise retrospectively by it. So, so I get the impression there are a lot of people that were. I could have this completely wrong, so be interested to see what you say. But mm. I, I felt that there were people in that documentary that were trying to claim that they did more than they did or that they couldn't do things. I wondered if some some of the team around us seemed genuine, but I, there were some of those contributions that didn't ring that true to me. Okay, well, um, I, I, obviously Demi Lovato's life seems to be split in the manner yes. of BC and AD, but in Demi's yeah. case, it is life before and after OD, her overdose mm-hmm. in July 2018. Mm. And is it another seemingly inexplicable collapse into drug dependency by someone who at least on the surface had and has so yeah. much going for her. And yeah, that maybe she, her family did seem very supportive. Yes, I, I did. I, I liked the family a lot. I, I might be a bit of a sucker because I thought her friends all seemed quite lovely and, and okay. d- Demi seemed lovely as well, but I could be, I could maybe be that's wrong. just I my judgment. Um, but the, the thing, the thing is, despite all that support, she took a sufficient overload of crack, heroin and fentanyl to mm. cause her three strokes and a heart attack, which, of course, has led to a significant impact on her day to day life. I mean, she can't drive a car, mm. she mentions. on. But um, the, the other thing you said um, about her father, what, what, I mean, one could in an amateur sort of therapist way read. And I think maybe I was doing that as I was watching this, reading an enormous amount in the rather non-emotional and dispassionate way that she talked Mm. about parts of her life, including the death of her father. Um, But, of course, life is far more complicated. complicated. So is Demi Lovato's life. I came away with little confidence that her troubles are behind Mm. her. I I I I worried. Yeah. I thought it was a beautifully made film, but with my usual caveat that it was way too long and repetitive but i still very much recommend it yeah it was it was good i thought and and it's um yeah like you i wasn't uh, what another thing i thought that was interesting it's very interesting that the, the people that were singers that have been famous again, like Britney Spears, singers that have been famous since they were children. I, yes, I thought the mum was very, and the sister, the family were very supportive, but it was very telling. I thought that Demi Lovato had mentioned that the mum had had problems with food, yeah. and I know a lot of women whose poor quality relationship from food, whose at all whose attitude towards food is driven by that of their mother. I think that is very telling, and often a lot of these 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 kids that that are driven then even if they're not driven to be famous by parents, it's amazing how parents, lots of parents can buy into famous kids pretty quickly, can't they? Which is, yeah, which is yeah. interesting. So, but having said that, you know, in the, in the film, they came across as excellent, but yes, it is. That's a, uh, yeah. That you, and, and it's always telling as well with these young pop stars that they, they become figureheads of this huge infrastructure. I mean, these yes. tours that they go on are enormous, aren't they? They're like the last big beasts of those rock tours, yes. aren't they? These they are. are the big rock tours now. It's I not know. big bands anymore. It's it's solo singers, isn't it? And and all of the all of the, you know, the sort of the tr- the, the truck infrastructure that all goes round. That's that's, you know, the really that's the really big deal now. And they talk about oh they're supporting all these people. And mm. it's really telling that these kind of articulate young women 
they the and younger people as well i'd apply that to men as well they feel a responsibility for all of the people that are working on their tour and drawing away from their tour i think more so than the selfish rock stars of the past and it's another another example to me how they all you know the a the pressure that's piled on these people but b how i have a lot of faith in some of the younger generation because they are so thoughtful i think so so yeah, I, I thought that was telling as well, that there was talk about, oh, she's supporting all these people. And it's like, yeah, I'm not sure if Led Zeppelin or Queen would have taken that attitude. And yet, you know, fair yeah. play, these young people are. Well, it must be so stressful to be a solo yes. performer at that yes. level of stardom because... Because yeah. it's enormous. People just, people just go nuts. Every time she walked out, the crowd went people nuts, went berserk, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. And you've got so many people relying on you. And as you um, mentioned there, if you're uh, part of Queen or Led Zeppelin mm. or, I don't know, the more recent, uh, you know, BTS or... Yes. Take that or whatever. A um, little, uh, little mix. You can, if you're one of them, you can have a, a bad show and the others can cover it up for you. It doesn't, yeah. you know, it's not the end of the world. But if Demi Lovato is feeling under the She's weather. She's sitting there at a badly, piano by herself. I yes, mean, for God's sake. Yeah. You're snookered, aren't you? Um, Debbie, Demi Lovato, Dancing with the Devil. The first three episodes are available for free on YouTube right now. And episode four is released, uh, the final episode, on April 6th, 2021. Coming up next, how stars cope with the relentless sands of time. And that's right after Astrid Gilberto. They say that I was born of slave Mukama and white men. My father slept in iron bed, my mother on cold sand. When my father called, my mother would come Never said a word as if she were done A woman who will talk too much Is soon to lose her man They say God made men first And made the woman second choice And so that's why the woman Should obey her master's voice When the man is hungry, she the minute's cold, she warms up the bed Standing up or laying down, a woman has to work They say poor man wakes early, and he works until it's night The rich man wakes up late, and tells the poor man what is right So the poor pray to shall up above, that the rich will lose the money they but rich or poor, the woman has to work for both of them. But rich or poor, the woman has to work for both of them. When I came across that recently, while I was doing a quiz of music clips of, of, you know, songs that sound like other songs, and I had not realised that Maria Quiet by uh, by uh, by Astrid Gilberto is essentially "Smoke on the Water" by Deep Purple. I believe Astrid came first. So, uh, so yeah, I, that, that's a, that's a, I, I, you never go broke appealing to me with Astrid Gilberto, I must admit. But I was particularly keen on that that funny little riff. So that is Maria Quiet by Astrid Gilberto, and also "Summer's Nearly Here," Terence. It's time for Bossa. <laughs> well, you, I mean, I love Astrid Gilberto, and you, who could not love her her voice? So, um, that's that excellent, excellent choice. Thank you. Uh, 
we were talking about body image just then and how famous people mm. are uh, commented upon if they mm. dare to put on weight. This also applies to ageing. It often seems mm. to bring a sense of astonishment to journalists when they discover a pop star at the age of, say, 75 no longer looks the same as they, they did when they were 25. And uh, But you know, pop stars, film stars, entertainers, they're often complicit in this themselves. Um, they try and persuade the camera that time has stood still. I've noticed... Um, though that there's, I, I picked up that there's a form of tipping point for pop and mm. film stars where most trip over from pretending they're still young yes. and aiming to be attractive to teenagers to an acceptance that time is is sort of relentless and they can let go. One of the most prominent examples of the letting go is uh, Paul McCartney, 79 years old this year, but until two or three years ago, his hair was of the brightest chestnut hue, and only now at 79 Mm. can you see the genuine grey. But uh, who can blame stars for playing along with the game of eternal youth? Because this week, the newspapers have featured paparazzi-style photos of a couple of pop stars looking their age and reporting on it as if it's a crime, Jules. Mm, it's interesting, this, isn't it? And what is particularly interesting about these two examples is that they're both men. So actually, for once, yeah. it's not just women that are whacked. And it feeds into what we were talking about previously, if you pardon the pun of feeding in. But um, it whacks into um, it whacks into how they look, you know, how, how men can't necessarily put on weight either. The fact that people age should not be a shock, uh, but yet somehow it always is. Um, these pictures of John Deacon of Queen... I've been firstly I am genuinely surprised that he is still alive I didn't think he was I got him confused with someone I think I got him confused with John Entwistle from The Who uh, which which is is, is pure ignorance on my part I apologise people in big bands that play the bass that are called John that's kind of that that's as far as I got on that so um so I was quite surprised that he was still with us but he is pictures of him smoking a cigarette and wearing a fleece well he looks like a six you know he looks like a man in his 60s doesn't he he looks like you know he looks like my uncle which I which you know is is I don't have a problem with that these pictures of, of Pete Doherty, I mean, the thing the thing about the Pete Doherty pictures is, I mean, I don't want to dwell on Pete Doherty very much because I do not approve of the of, of the of the story with the the poor person that died at his at his property and the and the way in which behaviour was around that. I don't. It's always good when you're talking slowly when talking about something, isn't it? But um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't I don't uh, yeah yeah I I don't particularly want to dwell on Pete Doherty. He's mm. not someone I have any time for, but. You know, you're. It's like comparing apples with oranges, isn't it? The press going, hasn't Pete Doherty put on a lot of weight? Yeah, but he was a shocking heroin habit for about, you know, had a shocking heroin habit for about 15 years and looked on death's door for most of the time that the Libertines were, well, you know, at their peak in the noughties. So, so, isn't it? And I find it just really strange. And I, and you know, and I think it's as appalling for men to be attacked for this as as women are. Really, I just think it's it's. You know, guess what? Everyone isn't 21 forever. But I suppose if you are a pop star, there is this this ridiculous pressure. And again, it it, it, it connects to what we talked about previously, this idea that these pop stars can never age. The pressure that's on Demi Lovato in once she came out as having had drink problems in the past, she then gets held up as this poster girl of sobriety so then there's even more pressure that you know we have to stay sober now because you know because this is now part of your brand you've gone from to even if you've tarnished your brand as a child star you're now you know oh, was well, now your recovery girl or whatever and i think the same thing is is then lumped on these blokes as well it's like well guess what they're not they're not going to be 25 year old rock stars forever and and actually 
you know, what is the problem with John Deacon having a fag in a fleece when he's walking out somewhere? You know, he's just he's just being a bloke, isn't he? Why shouldn't he do that? Same with Pete Doherty walking his dog whilst having put on some weight, you know, it's and not being a six stone heroin addict anymore. You know, it's it's it's. I just, you know, for me, it is, it is, well, we're sort of living weirdly in snow, slow news times at the moment, aren't we? Because, you know, coronavirus is a constant story. People are at the point where I suspect they want to write about other things. And it's just like, this is, you know, paparazzi stories are always non-stories, aren't they? You've taken a picture of someone at the shops. How is this a story? I just, it's, it's funny, isn't it? There are some pop stars that age better than others, because there are some pop stars that, you know, the hope I die before I get old thing. There are some pop stars that don't want to grow up aren't they but then having said that you know pop stars that age with dignity i think the, the most dignified person in terms of aging as a pop star and hanging on to their voice he may well dye his hair i think but i, I don't have necessarily have a problem with that i think a class act is tom jones oh right yeah he's yeah. managed to grow older in a dignified way i think he's still got his voice by and large and i mm. and i i admire him but then having said that so what if he doesn't want to grow old i mean i get to the point where i just think in these in these cases to what extent is this my business i'm not convinced it is really <laughs> it's, it's interesting that there, there are there are different ways of dealing with it. I mean, there are, mm. there are exceptions to the acknowledging the age business. So you've got the, the Rolling Stones, Jagger, Richards and Ronnie Wood, and they all carry themselves as though they're all still 28 years old, as you say, up to them. Mm-hmm. But um, whether it's a good look, look or not, it's in the eye of the beholder, isn't it? Um, and then you've got Joan Collins, who's eternal in remaining youthful. Mm. Um, and then her husband, Phil Collins, the drummer, <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't couldn't keep it straight face. Um, but Phil Collins, <laughs> he's he's done a McCartney, and only now at seventy, you know, he acknowledges time tapping him on the shoulder because he walks with a stick and he performs on stage uh, seated in a chair. Um, but you see, I think there's the, the the if you like the more genuine cases, like the stars who have allowed their age to travel with them, mm. perhaps like Tom Jones, as you say, as they're you know on their journey through life. Because I think Bruce Springsteen has always appeared as he is, without, as far as I know, any cosmetic yes, surgery or hair exactly, dye. Yeah. Bob Dylan, the same. I think you know he's just let it let it go let it happen and then yes on the other side of that although my my views on bob Dylan are well well rehearsed on this podcast but anyway yes on the other side of the coin you've got elton john who always seems to be trying to defy the years so Mm, it's it's curious how different people deal with it in different ways but as you rightly say it's it's up to it's up to them really isn't it Exactly. Although I again, there is a slightly in gender imbalance, I think, in how mm. the press pick pick up on people aging. And actually, just because the press have decided to pick up on um, on on Pete Doherty and and John Deacon doesn't make it right. Part of me thinks it is. Um, it sounds. Um, it sounds. You know. It, it part of me thinks. Oh, well, at least it's not women getting whacked on. But then nobody should be whacked on, really. But having said that, it is interesting how there are certain pops. You know, maybe it's becoming more gender balanced now. I don't know. But in the past, it feels like like pop star wise men become distinguished and women become old so uh so it'd be mm. interesting to see how attitudes change over time uh, but yeah, i've got I, a little I, tiny prediction on this well, because go on I, go I, on city and i often think it's only a matter of time that the same photographers who capture the john deacon and uh, the and pete doherty of this world will track down kate bush who has been reported as having a significant weight gain in recent years oh, and really? thousands of people will decry the intrusion and then quietly click on the mail online to have a good old look That's mm, absolutely predict. it's not going to be um 
Yeah. Yeah, it's not going to be great, is it? But you know, it's. I mean, at the ultimately, is is it our views? You know, mm. is it our is is it our is it our you know is it our business? I'm not convinced Probably it is, not. but anyway, yes. Coming right up, hooray for the return of BBC Three. Oh, but wait, now oh. they're shutting down. Uh oh. <laughs> That's next after this lovely cover of a Leonard Cohen song by Stephen Stills and Judy Collins. Everybody knows that the dice are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows that the war is over Everybody knows that the good guys lost Everybody knows that the fight was fixed The poor stay poor and the rich get rich That's how it goes Everybody knows Everybody knows that the boat is leaking Everybody knows that the captain lied Everybody got this broken feeling Like the father of a dog just died Everybody's talking to their pockets Everybody wants a box of chocolates And a long stem rose Everybody knows Everybody knows that you love me Everybody knows that you really do Everybody knows that you've been faithful I'll give or take a night or two Everybody knows you've been discreet But there were so many people you just had to meet Without your clothes Everybody knows Everybody knows Everybody knows what you've been through From 
years from Sweet Judy Blue Eyes in 1968 mm. when they were romantically involved to 2018 when they recorded the album that they'd always promised themselves they would produce with a cover of a song written by Leonard Cohen and Sharon Robinson. This is from an album by the same name, Stephen Stills and Judy Collins and Everybody Knows. That is a that's a lovely version. I'd, I'd, I'm a fan of both very much actually and uh, Again, I don't want to upset people unnecessarily, but I do. I think Leonard Cohen is an excellent songwriter. I've never quite got on with him performing his own work, although I do. I do admit, I say admit, accept that he is excellent. It's just not quite to my taste. But his work performed by other people, I always enjoy without exception. Yeah, there is there is a strong theory that, as with Bob Dylan, Leonard Cohen, um, for the masses, for for the likes of you and me, their songs are better performed by other people. If you're a real Dylanologist or a a, a, a Cohen lover since you know 1970, what you may not agree, but I think if you're not a particular huge fan of either Dylan or Cohen, often their songs sound um, more listenable when they're when they're covered. As in that one mm. there. Interesting as well, the talking about the sands of time. You know, some years ago, record companies would have snapped up Stephen Stills and Judy Collins doing an album. Mm, absolutely. Had to be, be crowdfunded through Pledge Music to get it, That's get it made. That's ridiculous. That is just ridiculous, isn't it? Only a couple of weeks ago, when we were happily discussing the return of BBC Three to linear or mainstream television, mm. but then this week, in what appears to be a confusing twist, the BBC has announced a significant change to BBC Four. Not a complete shutdown, but a mm. repositioning, they say, as the home of, I quote, archived content, uh, stating BBC Four would, again under the quote, become the home of the most distinctive content from across the BBC archive. Now, BBC Four is been the channel in the UK that first brought the thick of it, Curb Your mm. Enthusiasm, Mad Men and endless reruns of Top of the Pops. But it has a low budget, 54 million quid a year and low viewing figures. So Jules, Tim Davey, director general on his £642,000 a year <laughs> salary. What's he up to here? What I think is so frustrating about this BBC Four story is that it is not a surprise. And and the fact of the matter is that BBC Four was genuinely something really special for years and and, and something that the BBC Four, and I think we, they could talk about six music in the same way and how that was nearly closed. And again, my anger over Late Junction being cut so significantly on Radio 3, the BBC literally exists to do this kind of stuff, to inform, educate, entertain. This is the BBC's remit. You know, the documentaries and the entertainment programmes and the comedies and the dramas on BBC Four, that should be the BBC's remit in a microcosm. But the fact of the matter is it has been starved of money 
for years on end and it's almost like and and for years people like me have been saying you're deliberately winding this down aren't you you're just deliberately taking all the money away from this and then you'll go well no one watches this anymore and 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 therefore it's closed and they've gone oh no 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 no, no. we've got exciting plans for bbc4 guess what guys <laughs> they haven't and they're closing it down because they use the excuse that nobody watches it anymore if you're going to put stuff that's 20 years old on it, documentaries, I mean, I've watched some amazing stuff on BBC4 this year, but most of it has been very old, it has to be said. I can't remember the last time they commissioned new stuff for radio for, for BBC4. Yeah, it's brilliant that they've had all the Scandi imports. That's been great. And they've really seen, they saw a dot, they, they, they were trailblazers there. They saw an opportunity there and, you know, introduced something which is now quite important in, in some British cultural circles. I'm not saying all, but, you know, there, there are some, you know, it, it's been introduced, it, they introduced something into the UK that's really ta- taken hold and had some popularity. But it just frustrates the hell out of me that, that you know, that it has, it's been mismanaged for so long i think bbc4 and as a result of which all of these brilliant brilliant uh, films some of which we've watched for this podcast that have been on sky arts recently as premieres so the polystyrene film that we saw mm. and the style council film that was on last year um the brilliant nightingales film that was on the other week teenage superstars but all of this stuff should be on bbc4 right and yet bbc4 has been turning all this stuff down because it's too edgy and and it's like you know don't get me wrong i I really like sounds of the 70s part five watching that on bbc4 you know i enjoy watching that but <laughs> there's just there's I, I mean you know in the past it's been commissioning stuff you know i've seen people like juanita ramirez lucy worsley mary beard you know big historical serious figures who you know who who managed to get work you know who that channel has, has broke them into the wider world you know my beloved only connect started off on bbc4 you know it was it was a program it was it was a channel that was really you know that was not afraid to be intellectual as well as having you know stuff like detectorists on it you know the the, the program like you said the thick of it the, the issue is not that there isn't an audience to BBC Four, I don't think, and it's not that the B, the, you know, BBC Four is is that you know it's what the BBC should be doing. That's what its charter is for. You know that 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 is the point of the BBC. The problem is is that it has just been starved. No one's known what to do with it for years. It's been starved of money. This is like Six Music. Oh, no one listens to Six Music. Yeah, because you don't tell people about Six Music. Once they said it was going to close, its its viewing figures doubled in like six months. As a result of which, you now hear nothing but Six Music. They bang on about it all the time time on bbc adverts and on radio too and you feel like saying do you know what you've got to you've got to speculate to accumulate and can you stop having these bad faith going oh well you know it's really difficult and no one really watches it the reason no one watches it now is that there hasn't been anything new and good on it for ages apart from the stuff that you're repeating which is very interesting and the re- and you know it will die eventually as an archive channel because there's only so much time so long that people are going to wa- want to watch archive for and the reason it's reached that is because you've underfunded it for years and i wish the bbc would be honest about why they've underfunded it for so long rather than hammering in and saying no one watches it anymore because they're dedicating a whole evening to last of the summer sodding wine <laughs> 
<laughs> I'd say I, I'd say the BBC is mismanaged, but I would say money is conserved and saved in the wrong places. Yes. Um, criticism of the BBC is always with us. I've seen it through yes. a lifetime. But I um, bet, yeah. at the moment, it must be of great concern for the BBC and I think and the overpaid Tim Davy that this criticism comes from less likely sources. And I say that because I read an interview with Jed Mercurio, the mm. creator of Line of Duty. In um, It was in the Radio Times last month in which he said the BBC is one of the uh, least efficient broadcasters with institutional issues around levels of mm. professionalism and worth e- ethic. And that's been my experience, too. And, and Mercurio mm. also goes on to say there are people at the BBC who, quote, I would l- avoid like the plague because they've been there a long time and they are fundamentally work shy, end of quote. And this remains an ongoing issue at the BBC because it is still despite who you make the director general mm. all the changes that they make it's still run like a branch of the civil service with mm. a job for life culture that rewards uh, slow coaches who keep their heads down rather than those with flair or creativity. People fail upwards, don't they? At the BBC. Exactly. To this day, exactly. Time servers get promoted at the BBC to the most stratospheric levels of management on eye-watering salaries, despite showing no aptitude for those sort of senior roles at all. And it's another example of desperately low productivity in the public sector so splurging money on idiotic schemes and managerial Mm. salaries while uh, claiming to be unable to support creative program development and in this case an entire channel that's nothing new at what i'm afraid is Mm. the deeply wasteful bbc and that is that is what is so frustrating i think because some of the stuff that has been produced by bbc4 has been genuinely world class Mm. but but you know it's just it's yet another i think indication of how of how things are being badly badly managed in terms of sort of poor poor decision making and of course lest we forget i'm just fact checking this as we speak terence to see see what the situation is but um but you know tim davy was the chap that nearly shot six music Oh, he was responsible for 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 um, that at the time, wasn't yes, he? Yes, and the, eventually the, U-term. So, yeah. so you know, I, I'm not a huge fan of Tim Davies' track no. record of decision making on this. I'm not. Yes, when when he was first mentioned as the new leader of the BBC, the new you know the, the new director general, I did remember Six Music and thought thought, mm, you know, I wonder wonder how good these decisions are going to turn out to be. You know, local radio is everything that makes the BBC is being cut, and there will be a price to pay for that event and it won't be money it'll be it'll be more irreversible than that in my view just thinking that i was just thinking in the last 10 years as we're talking here um it must have been within the last 10 years that when because it was when tony hall was director general Mm. that 100 million pounds was written off on that uh, failed it project thing i think it was digital media initiative it was called yes i remember this now yeah it was changing sort of dismal media uh, idiocy or something because uh, that was it was some stupid scheme where you whole of the staff were, were going to be able to uh, gain access to the all of the BBC archive on their computers rather than having to go to tape or video. And it just yeah. was written off. And then, again, it must be less than 10 years ago uh, that nearly a 1,000 staff were each given a, a bonus, in inverted commas, of £23,000 each to move to Salford. And then and no one did. My, 
Yeah, my rudimentary mathematics is 23,000 by 1,000. I think it's 23 million. So um, the, the so, 100 million you, on, on the you digital had media on, Exactly. If you add 100 million plus 23 million, that's more than twice the budget of BBC4. Exactly the the point I was going mm. to make. It's you know, and and that's why uh, I criticise the BBC is that not that they're forced to make these decisions allegedly by the you know your um, Tim Davies and his uh, his mm. his wacky crew. Um, it, it's it's that they're making these decisions um, by pointing the finger in the wrong places as mm. we say instead of uh, cutting the eye-watering salaries and the bags and bags of management uh, overstuffing them yes in offices absolutely in, uh, i mean the problem is the problem is, is that decisions like this make it hard to defend the BBC sometimes mm. because I do think that some of that is overplayed, but then have some of the blaming the management stuff is overplayed. But having said that, decisions like this are so witless and they're so misguided and they're so completely removed from what BBC should be doing that I think the BBC needs leadership that believe in the BBC and believe in its importance, but are able to do that in a way that is that is sensible and this does you know i i i'm not seeing anything from tim davies rule which is which is filling me with a great deal of confidence at the moment i could be wrong thank you very much for listening to our 500th edition Lovely yes I, we should have had a ticker tape parade at the beginning really but anyway never mind 500 glorious episodes right. how lovely i haven't been here for all of them so i, I won't celebrate to the full but you've been here to the max so congratulations oh, terence 10 or 11 years i think of uh, that is, that is, well this. i've been here for five which seems pretty know. insane really 223 i think i joined on so um so so yeah which means finally i don't think i'm the new person anymore i think i, <laughs> I don't find think it. I think so, I think I've passed I think my trial. I was going to say I passed my trial period. I assume <laughs> I so. But <laughs> but yes, thank you everyone for listening. It's such a joy to do this. And may there be may there be many more, Sooty. Oh yes, indeed. And Jules, will you find time between raising petitions to save BBC Four to entertain us on Easter Sunday? Well, let me entertain you, as a perpetual pop irritant, pop Robbie Williams once <laughs> sang. Bless his little cotton socks. I can't help but dislike him. I can't help but like him, rather. I can't help but dislike him, despite the fact that he is ridiculous. He does have a sense of his own ridiculousness, I think. So, uh, so I, uh, I, I will always enjoy that video of him singing at his wife in labour, who, who. Acts exactly as she should, really. I, I, I think my main sympathy is for Robbie Williams' wife, actually, when it comes down to it. But anyway, I digress. I will be doing Smooth Sailing Easter Sunday evening from 7 till 9 p.m. Mixler.com forward slash Juliet Harris, Juliet hyphen Harris, or just go to mixlr.com and search for my name. You can listen on my channel there. I'll be live from 7 till 9 doing Yacht Rock, Classic Pop, Easy Listening, you know, all that kind of stuff that is just mm. nice. And I'll be doing that from 7 till 9. If you'd like to catch up on Smooth Sailing's Passim, you can click the show reel button on my channel page and that's got all the previous shows on it so if that's something you'd like to do 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 it i'd love to hear from you and what is this little curiosity that we're playing out with juliet harris oh, oh you see i i, I want to say i don't do these things to wind you up but <laughs> i know that you're gonna win and i just think oh well let's just you know i haven't picked one of these chintzy instrumentals in a while i did i did listen to the feedback of you and it has to be said others that wrote in about them but i played this at the beginning of my show the other week it was a request so this wasn't entirely my fault mm -hmm. um 
he's not the coolest man ever this guy I, no. I'm willing to admit that I remember going there used to be an amazing St Michael's Hospice shop which is a local cancer charity which is mm. brilliant near to where I live and they have charity shops and I went to one once near where I live that had this incredible basement that was just full this would have been about 12 years ago full of vinyl and, and books and all sorts of treasure and I remember buying lots of you know easy listening compilations on vinyl for like 20p each and I remember a woman coming up and, and, and speaking in Eastern European Pean accent saying, if you want to buy some real crep, we've got lots of James Last out the back. And he's been this kind of real sort of, you know, uncool guy. But there is one James Last album that is held up amongst collectors as being the one that is good. It's called Voodoo Party. And it is genuinely not bad as far as James Last is concerned. This is a a cracking song. And I I just enjoy the summary vibe of this version. And Terence, you can just not listen to the last bit. It's fine, you know. And, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be back next week with some better cheers. But in the meantime, to play us out, here is James Last doing Sly and the Family Stones, Everyday People.
You've been listening to a Parish Council production. <laughs>